You've reached Hoop and Holler, a Square One podcast. I had to go to CBA school, salary cap school, and tampering school. Can't say, hey, I want you to come to the Lakers, even though I'm going to be wink- winking like. <laughs> On basketball and other shenanigans. I mean, good for you. I mean, you probably won't get hired by, you know, ESPN anytime soon. Because <laughs> you don't have that clutch connection. I have a job to do. With Reagan Griffin Jr. Reagan, you're the best, I say, man. Hey, I say, hey, yo, Jermichael, he turns around. I'm like, you know Lakers coming for that ass this year, right? Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Eddie Sun. Some voters just like to be contrarian, you know, whether it's for clicks, whether it's for just because you they like to be contrarian. contrarian. Yes, you do. That's true. I feel like, like Eddie going to be the type to be like, case. MVP? James Harden. We're not against rap. We're not against rappers. But we are against those analytics. The analytics. And Julio Martinez. Braun just frustrates me sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. You've been hyping up this game. Obviously, it's a big game. He he looks juice for it. Bro, just score the ball. Everybody just thinks I'm a hater. That is blasphemous. And, and, and you know what's that reminiscent of? That was, you know, MVP Steph season. Oh, right? here we go. He was getting here we go. Game. All right, y'all. It's been a he great episode. Fourth quarter. But at, when it boils down, like, that's what we're here for is the yeah. basketball ball. Welcome back to another episode of Hoop and Holler. I am today's host, Reagan Griffin, doing the switch again. How, how, how do you think that's going, Eddie, between me and you, the, the uh, switching off hosts? I think my usage rate should be a little higher than 50%, but that's just uh that's This just man's Michael Porter Jr. out here, bro. He <laughs> said we just got to get more people involved in the offense. No, it's all good, man. Before we get into this Miami Heat-Lakers game, 2-1 series, as always, guys, how are we doing today? Uh, well, I guess I'm doing pretty well, and it has to do with the game and the series. So, mm. uh, anyways, I'm glad Miami won, and most of all, I'm glad one person in particular showed out. So, we'll mm. get to it. We will get into it. Eddie, how about yourself? Uh, I'm 100% with you there, Julio. Um, I think if it was a 3-0 and series, it would be just kind of disappointing, but um, this result gives a little bit of new life. So, um, I mean, especially because I got nothing else going on. And um, if the basketball season ended sooner rather than later, there would be a really long break. So glad it can prolong a little bit. Cool. Well, let's get into it. Let's talk about this game. The Miami Heat have gotten the series down. It was it was looking pretty dire for them with no Bam out of buyout. Obviously, no Goran Dragic on the court. Um, but Jimmy Butler stepped up in a huge way today. Julio, I know that's your boy. And he was playing a particular style of basketball that was eerily familiar that's what we were on the last episode talking about how we were hooping it seemed it seemed like it was julio out there hooping man the mid-range the bump down the fadeaway that was your style of basketball man talk to me how you feeling people act like that style of basketball cannot win you basketball games that is false when in the playoffs again when the game slows down you need skilled players this is when this game excels the most especially when you got one guy who can cook everybody on the other team and tonight that was obviously jimmy butler so i don't want to hear anything that jimmy butler's not a not not a number one guy i mean bro is just he's just insane and i'm tired of you know uh glorifying his leadership abilities because i feel like when when people do that it's like taking away from his basketball abilities and i don't mean to do that at all because jimmy butler's a he's a baller man and i just I, i want people to understand that that you know uh, like you, you just can't take Jimmy Butler uh, lightly. And I think the Miami Heat took a chance with this game 
Uh, they, I feel like they could have played Bam or Bam could have gone out there uh, in kind of a desperate situation. But I, I feel like they played their cards and felt like, you know, what if we rest you, you know, for, for next game and you'll be more well-rested, you, you'll be more healthy and we might get a game. And that's what they did. I, I'm so glad they didn't go down 3-0. But, yeah, I mean, Jimmy Butler was – I mean, he was smoking. He, he – what what do you get? Forty point triple double? Yeah. I mean, no it, threes. It was, it was beautiful to watch, man. And, and again, I'm just tired of people not, you know, giving Jimmy Butler his, I, I guess, top ten credit because that's what I view him as easily. Uh, not only from a leadership standpoint, but what he does on the floor. I mean, Bro can really pass the ball. He looks for his teammates sometimes at a fault. Um, and I know we, we've talked about sometimes that he look, has to look for his own shot sometimes. But that's what he did tonight, and that's a part that's, you know, what it's going to take to win some of these games for Miami. Um, It's funny that you brought up Miami potentially playing their cards, um, kind of resting Bam Adebayo this game, because if people remember, Steve Kerr did the same thing with Klay Thompson in last year's finals. Um, Reportedly, he could have played game three after, uh, you know, he kind of strained his hamstring a little bit, didn't play Warriors, lost that game, ended up being a pretty, like, focal game. So I was kind of surprised because it seemed like Bam Adebayo was trying to give it a go. I know they reported both Goron and Bam were trying to give it a go, but Goron's situation is a lot worse. So it was kind of surprising. But, um, yeah, the good thing is Jimmy Butler really stepped up for all of his teammates. Um, The most impressive part maybe is just the efficiency that there was really no, like, backing down. There was no, like, putting taking your foot off the gas pedal at all. It was just... Him being in control of the floor um, at, you know, through all 45 minutes that he played on the floor. And it almost seemed like, you know, his his knee or ankle problems didn't seem to hinder him oh, at yeah. all. It looked, it looked great today. It looked great. But I do want to bring up that because I, I remember on the telecast, Mark Jackson, I think, brought up that Eric Spolstra calls Jimmy Butler an anti-analytics player. And it, like, to me, it, it's, I get what Eric Spolstra is saying. But at the same time, um, I think th- this is kind of similar to what you're saying, Julio, when, when you talk about players glorifying um, someone's leadership ability and it takes away from their basketball ability. It's kind of the same thing with Jimmy Butler that like, let's not get too caught up um, in the fact that there's a lot of like urban legend around Jimmy Butler, but more so that Jimmy Butler is just a flat out hooper. Yeah, and, and what, what I hate is hearing Mike Breen saying every other sentence and the Miami Heat in a surprising victory yeah uh, against the Lake. stop saying surprising it's not surprising like, that, that one rubbed me the wrong way it was like he said he said something like to the times. effect of uh you know in in a shocking turn of events or something like that like that. <laughs> it was like dude we're in the NBA finals what do we think the Lakers are just gonna force straight these guys and, and go and, home and it's uh, uh, and my man it's like like you might you know, uh, tangibly watch more uh, uh, basketball than me, and you're more front and center because he's right there, obviously, and he has to be there to call games or whatever. But you, you almost have to like not watch basketball if you don't know how good Jimmy Butler is. So, like I, again, I'm really tired of people like not giving him the respect he needs. And this is a little bit at Cam. Cam, if you're listening, <laughs> Jimmy Butler's a hooper, bro. Bro is top ten easily. So. Let's stop this nonsense. Even if you think guys, you know, maybe better skillfully like a Devin Booker, there is no question 
whether who, who would you rather have you know as your number one guy because as your number one guy is not only leading your team it's not only coming in the clutch it, it's it's all of these components combined and that my man the the epitome you know of a guy that i want leading my team that's jimmy Pope. that's jimmy Pope. Huh. i was gonna say that i sent out a tweet earlier basically saying that almost like the, the the top attributes of jimmy butler that i see in him have everything to do with his thought processing and his kind of um, cerebral abilities on the basketball court and the the fact that he takes no threes and ends up with 40 points and 13 assists just shows you um the kind of level at which he can process the game because again he's not exactly um, breaking down anyone per se in the perimeter like he's not exactly creating advantages through like an elite handle or, or something like that but he's just getting to the right places at the right time and playing at the right pace um, really just craft like really craftfully um, creating angles um, that opens up shot opportunities for himself and his teammates and like my whole point of that is that um like a big part of basketball especially for players and, and and players like jimmy butler are so rare um it's just that like having the the brain advantage let's just call it that you know ha- having the upper hand in terms of thought process just gives you such a massive advantage because there's not a lot of players out there that can do what jimmy butler did period and a lot of players with his with his basketball skill set are definitely not accomplishing what he did. So yeah. I, I want to address the tweet that you had, Eddie, because I, I disagree with you. I pointed it out, and um, you said, feel free to disagree with me. I figured I, instead of going on the Twitter fingers, we'd address it on the podcast. But the way you framed it was like, let's not act like the, the – or you said like corporate America would want you to think that Jimmy Butler is this good because he works out at 3 o'clock in the morning, not because he's a, as cerebral of a player as he is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, just to make sure I have that accurately. Yeah. I think – that it should be said, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Julio, but those 3 a.m. workouts, that the way that you get to be that aptitude, that apt when it comes to basketball is by getting those repetitions in. That's not something that comes naturally. The more you play basketball, the harder you work at it, the easier that sort of those sort of things come to you, the more repetitions you get in. So I think all of that kind of ties into the same thing. The fact that Jimmy Butler is such a hard worker, the fact that he does all of this stuff off of the court to advance his game shows itself through on the court in terms of his aptitude. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I would say it's, uh, I mean, it's, it's difficult to say because the, the thing I think Eddie is getting at, or at, at least what I think uh, uh, when I think of, of his mental aptitude on the basketball floor with Jimmy Butler is self-awareness. Like you, you can obviously be as good as you, you know, as good as Michael Jordan, let's say, but you can't do it on your own. I don't care how good you are. So Jimmy Butler's ability to, you know, his own self-awareness is what I love about him. I mean, a lot of people will take him not shooting threes as a weakness, and it, you might consider it that way. But to me, him not taking threes is just self-awareness. It's, it's <laughs> Some, like you know, Russell Westbrook could use a little bit more of that. <laughs> like, right, like, like, he, he knows, like, this is probably not a good shot. Let me try to get a better shot for myself. If not, you know, kick it out to my teammates. And yeah, so I, I mean, I, I think it's a combination of the two and his self-awareness just, you know, it, it leads me to believe, and I can say this, you know, for in certainty that, you know, he could score 40, he can score zero. 
And if they win, he'll be equally as happy. Oh, yeah. And no doubt. Now, that's what Jimmy Butler's always been about, right? You can't, you can't say that about, you know, about a lot of stars in the, in the NBA, but you can say that about Jimmy. And and my whole point of that tweet talking about the difference between appreciating Jimmy Butler's um, level at which he processes the game mentally versus um, Jimmy Butler as the the hard worker we know. Um, this, this is not to say like there's no value in hard work or that someone doesn't have to, um, you know, put in the extra time and extra effort to to you know achieve a higher level. But it's that you know if if you're an aspiring basketball player. Um, like don't don't go to the gym at three a.m. just because headlines say that Jimmy Butler went to the gym at three a.m. You know what I mean? Like there, there's no point in uh, dramatizing the kind of more performative stuff about working hard. Um, it's that like the work itself actually matters. So like what I'm most impressed with in Jimmy Butler is that um, he works on improving his game in in so many different dimensions. That like he works on not trying to press the issue in where his weaknesses are, like you mentioned, Julio, but really extracting the most out of his strengths. And not a and not a lot of players can do that. Not a lot of players can think out the box like that. Not a lot of players can control the game, and you know all of the very like underlying elements um, like that. And and that's the part that's most impressive to me. And the silly part is, you know, like announcers and 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 pundits and talking heads are gonna be like, oh, this is this is the product of Jimmy Butler going to the gym at three a.m. Like this is the guy who gets. It's like it's not that. He's just processing the game at a different level. Like that's what's really important. All right, help me out here. You're saying that regardless of whether that was three a.m. or three p.m., that's that's the result you're gonna get so long as you're putting in the work. Or you're saying that he is somebody that that's naturally apt for the game. I said. Basically, I was saying work smarter and not harder. So um, if you're willing to put in that much work and see the game, how Jimmy Butler sees it and execute on it, well, then you're probably going to be really great. But if you think that all it takes is, you know, going to the gym at 3 a.m. and, you know, posting on Instagram that you're going to the gym at 3 a.m. about it, you know, then I, I don't know what value that exactly has, except for creating attention and creating headlines because people are suckers for, for but you, that kind you of also attention. have to uh, uh, kind of, I guess, acknowledge that working out or uh, I guess, quote unquote, uh, getting better, uh, that, that's a better way to put it. Getting better isn't just working out. It's studying film. film. Exactly. It's, studying film, studying other players, studying, studying your that. own players, studying opponents, studying what you know what this guy's tendency is to do you know first play of the game mm-hmm. out of the quarter out of the half what you like to do in pick and roll situations when they double you when you know on the left side of the floor there's different things you can mm-hmm. study it's just that working out it's just that to me if you're an nba player you probably you know are among like the hardest workers in the world to get to that point already right like that's the highest level of professional basketball so what what separates jimmy butler from you know 90 percent of the league right like what separates jimmy butler from like the 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 whatever rotation player in the nba um is it that he goes to the gym at 3 a.m or that you know he he um kind of shows how much he works like i don't i don't really think so um and I think we saw from this game tonight that it's pretty obvious. It has to do with the way he approaches the game, and it's the way he dissects, you know, basketball. It, it, I feel like the again, this is where I'm getting at. Like the way he dissects basketball is a product of how hard he works, and the fact that he posts that he goes to the gym at 3 a.m. That's that that 
process that, that's feeding into the product that again, you're seeing like, on the floor. It's not how hard he works and, and how I think most people define hard work, but how smart he works or how smart he approaches his work, if that makes sense. It's not the work itself that should it's be both. rewarded. It's, it's both. I mean, yeah, I'm saying like when he goes to the gym at 3 a.m., right, like he's clearly working on things that are helping him on the court when he goes and plays at, exactly. at the night. So it's not the 3 a.m. part that's impressive. It's, it's the, the fact work. that yeah. he's, you know, working on the right things and in the right areas. Okay. I mean, yeah, we. I guess we're kind of beating the same cow. Why do I keep on saying beating the cow? I've never said that. On you, like I, I've on this said, podcast said, the last three times I've said beat beating a dead cow or beating the same cow and even though the saying is beat a dead horse, horse right yeah. like why what's <laughs> see what's what, something going on with me and cows man but let's let's keep it pushing man let's talk about this from a Lakers perspective because obviously this wasn't their best game this is probably the worst game that they've had this series um and the strange thing was the shooting was there for the majority of the night so it didn't it wasn't chalked up to the shooting variance um. It was really Jimmy Butler just killing what I noticed. And you guys tell me what else you saw. But what I noticed was a whole lot of pick and rolls getting Jimmy switched onto a dude that was weaker than him. Jimmy backing him down and just tearing them. They're tearing that ass up for real. Like <laughs> that, like it was just a whole lot of Jimmy Butler taking advantage of dudes who simply were not as good as basketball. At him. Um, the the announcing crew had one of the rare bright moments like they've ever had where they actually talk about the game when they talked about pistol action. And how like them running a guard guard pick play, um, that pistol action on the wing is kind of dissecting the Lakers defense up. And that was, you know, Jimmy Butler on the wing and then having Hero or Duncan Robinson slip off, you know, to an open three. And um, that was one of those rare moments where like Jeff Van Gundy actually dissected the game in kind of a concrete way. But um, definitely, I think Miami came up with some new actions that helped free up um, some of their players like helped free up space for Jimmy Butler. At the same time, though, I kind of look at the box score and no one outside of Jimmy Butler really had a great game. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of dangerous because at the end of the game, you had Duncan and Tyler Hero gain a little bit of confidence. And if you go into game four with the more confident Hero and Duncan, who've been um, basically nothing in this series so far, along with maybe Bam Adebayo back. Um, and, and Jimmy Butler doesn't have to do quite as much, but you know Jimmy Butler can do what he does. That's still a dangerous combo. Um, and so you get that going and, and, and you start to go. It's not that Miami had, you know, a really unusual night, like a super hot night or something. They didn't do anything particularly special or anything that... Well, they stopped um, running the zone for one. They, 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 that's that's the first thing I noticed defensively is that they, LeBron lit them up uh, from the middle of that zone in Spolster series. He said, "I'm not going back to that one." Uh, you, uh, chess moves, right? Like you, you clearly that's the move that's not going to work. So don't go back to that. Credit to Eric Spolster for not doing that. But I saw what I think is important to acknowledge is the fact that they got AD in foul trouble pretty early. Um, and, and that forced the Lakers in a difficult position because that defense is basically contingent upon AD's presence, being able to contest shots, um, switch onto the perimeter, do all the things that he does that contribute to that Lakers defense. He wasn't able to do all of that tonight. And I, I think that's part of why you saw Jimmy Butler really be able to tear a new one into the Lakers defense is that AD was nowhere near as, as effective as he had been. Really, uh, not just in this series, but for throughout the entirety of the playoffs, man, that dude was a different animal, and that animal didn't didn't come on the court tonight, just by product of the fact he had four fouls, I think, in the middle of the third quarter. Um, he just had to be a little bit more cautious about it. 
Yeah, AD tends to get in foul trouble sometimes. He doesn't really have a huge problem with it, but it obviously showed tonight, and him not being on the floor as much as you know we want him to obviously affected a lot. It affects a lot on defense because, I mean, if you need a tall guy in there and you need to play Dwight, he's just he can't switch onto guards as well as AD can, obviously. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was to me, it was just a product of, of Jimmy Butler. Um, I, you say that like our, our three point shooting ability w- was okay. I, I, I guess, I guess, Marquise and Kuzma shot the ball. You know, yeah, they were they were killing it. Those, those were really Everyone, the two I had in mind. Everyone else went like over, and, and I mean, J.R. Smith made one, but what really pissed me off about J.R. Smith, and I knew stuff like this would happen when we signed him, uh, at the end of a quarter, I forgot, <laughs> I don't know if it was halftime or something, bro had an easy swing to Alex Caruso at the top of the key. There were, there were like four seconds remaining. There's a guy closing out on him, no one near Alex Caruso at the top of the key. Instead of passing the ball, this man fakes pass. The dude doesn't bite on it because why would he bite on it if Alex Caruso is too far away? He throws he, – he doesn't even take one dribble. He, like, throws the ball way out in front of him to try to create space into the corner, and he, you know, he misses the shot. And it's like, why? We have <laughs> open threes. He was like, why? But no, no, but this isn't like – I'm not, you know – I am mad at that specific play, but I'm, I'm more mad at, you know, the attitude we carried into tonight. We can say that, you know, series not done and every, you know, every Lakers account posts that Kobe interview after uh, he goes up like 2-0 on Orlando. Like job finished, job not finished. You, you guys can all say that, but what kind of attitudes do you actually have going into the game? And I just don't think the Lakers played as hard as they could. LeBron uh, and... Here's my problem with Braun and where I think the distinction with him and Jimmy Butler is. Bro, go like he throws up the baby face a lot. Like, oh my god, like what are you guys doing? Look looking around at his teammates. Like, I know, like, they're not as good as you, Braun. Obviously. Mm-hmm. Your teammates aren't as good as you. They're gonna mess up a lot. And it, it's not it's not it's just not a good thing. It's not a good sign to get frustrated. It's not a good sign to walk off the court before the game's even over. Like and I know you're pissed, and I guess that that might be good going into next game. But like, I hate all the faces that LeBron throws up sometimes because it leaks into into the team. And I don't know, I, I don't know, man. We we just came in with the attitude like it's gonna get done and they're gonna fold. But Miami's anything but that. They're not going so like that. To me, to, to me, it was just the attitude we we carried into this game. Two two lasting images um, from LeBron James and Jimmy Butler for me today. Um, I'll start with Jimmy Butler because it's kind of it's a funny one. Uh, do you remember the play when Rondo came? Right, Rondo was coming on the help defense. He tried to block Jimmy Butler, fouls the living hell out of him. It looked like it hurt, right? And Jimmy Butler's on the ground for a couple of, of minutes, trying kind of gather his thoughts. He gets up. He's not complaining to anyone. He's not you know crying face anything. He just gets up. He looks at Rondo. He's like, God damn boy. Like he's like, you ain't had to foul me like that. Like basketball in its purest form fun enjoyment you know what I mean there's no animosity there's no like you know it's just you know Jimmy Butler's out there to hoop right and that's kind of comes with the territory um and then on bronze end one of the 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 thing that kind of really rubbed me the wrong way and you know we're both Lakers fans and Bron can rub us the wrong way just in terms of how he presents himself but 
for you to walk off the court before the game's even over and start heading towards the locker room. That's a mistake. Unreal. Like, why Why would you even do that? Jared Dudley had to take off his jersey, step onto the court just because Bron was too, like, he, he was too good to not stay on the court for the entirety of the game. Those are the little things that you do throughout competition. If you get your dub, get your dub. If you take an L, take your L. You don't just get to leave the court because you didn't feel like you, know, you or your team had a good enough day. Like, that. those are the sorts of things that, you know, when I talk about a superiority complex that LeBron may or may not have, but it might come across as at times, those are the sorts of things. That's why people would say certain things about LeBron that they feel like he might have a superiority complex. You can't do that. Go take, just stay, stay there and take your L. And when you go and, and people don't, people and shake hands forget. with the, with the opposing team. Sorry to cut you off, but shake hands, man. Like, come on. Individuals tend to forget about, uh, they, they only see what goes on the floor, but, you know, ha- having, you know, being a former player, to me, my mind first went to what's going to happen after the game and, and in the locker room. So w- when stuff like that happens and, and your best player kind of, I don't want to say acts up or, you know, he's pissed, everybody's just quiet in the locker room and they're like looking to him for, you know, like leadership and they don't want to say anything because they don't want to step in his way. And then he's being all pissy and, Frank Vogel's talking, nobody's really listening to him. And that, that, that's how stuff plays out. Instead of LeBron standing in the tunnel, or, or not, not even in the tunnel, just like right off the floor and be like, hey, guys, we got this, man. We, we, just, we didn't play hard. Come on, come on. Let, let, heads up, heads up. Let's head in the locker room. Come on, we good, we good, we good. Then the guys feel like, okay, we got to get serious because this team, instead of you know being in the locker room all like, all quiet and like I don't want to talk to get in LeBron's way and he's making me nervous and that's how stuff plays out in locker rooms and it's just not healthy in a team dynamic when when any you need anything but nervousness and anxiety so and the the well and mind you right like LeBron I think we can all acknowledge is one of the great leaders in sport right like there are going to be lapses um in terms of your leadership but those are the sorts of things, like you said, Julio, that can kind of disseminate to the rest of the team. If your leader's a guy who's frustrated and he's showing that on his sleeve and he's wearing that and he's walking off the court before the game's even over, if he's not shaking hands, he's not offering words of encouragement, he just kind of removes himself from the situation, that's a bad look. And meanwhile, again, another thing that resonated with me from Jimmy Butler, the pregame interview he had with Rachel Nichols, the dude was happy-go-lucky, down 2-0, smile on his face. I'm confident in my teammates. I'm confident we can make something happen. That's the sort of mentality that, again, your teammates are going to look to you as the as the leader of the team and see that. And that gives them confidence. That gives them belief in themselves. Those are the sorts of things that I, I feel like LeBron would be better served to be more wary of when he's in, in his engagement with his teammates. Sometimes, if I'm being honest, I feel like he's a little too, not he's too big, but in his head, he's almost removed from what's going on with the rest of the team and how how things register with him. He doesn't uh, he doesn't take the time to kind of address how things might register with the people that might not be at the same status that he is, man. And that that uh, I think teams suffer for it at times. And again, this is we're up to one in the series, but again, uh, if I'm going to be analyzing things, I have to analyze everything I saw on the court. I think LeBron had one of the poor leadership moments of his career tonight. And again, I'm going to say this again. For anybody who thinks this was going to be an easy series, uh, uh, we're, we're lucky as Laker fans in terms of uh, like the win and loss column. Bam's not in this. Bam and Goron aren't, aren't, in, the, aren't, aren't in the series. So 
like l- let's chill on the Miami's a JV team and we're varsity. So let's chill on. That. I think we have to stop pretending, and I don't mean we as in us, cause um, or you two, but that we as in like a lot of Lakers fans out there have to stop pretending that this Lakers team is like tough or responsive in some sort of way. Um, I've seen like a lot of like video compilations out there about how like every series there's been like something by the opponent that kind of like ticks the Lakers off or something like the Damian Lillard, you know, kind of dancing to, 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 um, 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 whistle or like, or like Russell Westbrook yelling at the children in the crowd or whatever. Um, and then Jamal Murray, like shimmying or something like that. And then now it's like Butler saying it's like, it's dangerous and Tyler hero making like a fizz face or whatever. Um, it's just like, come on, like we don't have to do this. Right. Like, I mean, I'll just ask you two, but do you guys really think that this, Lakers team embody some sort of like real toughness and like when when you know I've I've never I've never thought that I've even went as far as calling Braun and AD kind of soft I I mean for lack of a better term but it's just like the idea that the Lakers have somehow responded in some sort of way when um because every series the opponent has only gotten one win off and usually in that one win you know they do something but the idea that the lakers like responded in some sort of way i don't think they they really quote unquote like responded with any extra effort they just played like the better team and like there's nothing wrong with that but um if people are going to come on twitter with this energy that like okay you tick you tick the lakers off you tick braun and ad off like now they're going to come back and bite you well then i better see a lebron and ad performance that looks kind of like what jimmy butler did tonight and i haven't seen that from them all playoffs cuz they don't they don't have to get to that level but let's not pretend Ooh. like let's not pretend like they have been that level of amazing um, cause, cause that's transcendent. The beginning of this series, they kind of I, like, I, I would say AD's had some, some performances I, that were, AD uh, has to been absolutely amazing, but he has not had a performance as good as Jimmy Butler had tonight. I don't know if you agree, Julio, but there, it was whatever, what Jimmy Butler did tonight. I haven't seen since Kyrie and LeBron in, in the, the three, one comeback. Mm. Yeah, I don't know, but. All I know, man, is that Jimmy Butler is not a man to play with. And anybody who ranked him, Sports Illustrated, ESPN, Bleacher Report, who ranked him out of the top 10, you guys are stupid and don't know basketball. So. <laughs> Words coming straight from Julio Martinez. So before the game, because I feared that perhaps we'd be looking at a 3-0 series right now, I, I posed a, a segment to you guys talking about what could Miami feasibly do to try to change the tide in this series? And then they kind of went out and did that. So I don't know if you guys had wrote, written down Jimmy Butler drops a 40-point triple-double, but that seems to me like the greatest game plan that they can have right now. But I still think it's a, a worthy segment because they are down in this series. So talk to me a little bit about what your game plan would be if you were Eric Spolstra and you got control and autonomy over the uh, the Heat team and what sort of adjustments you're making to try to give yourself a better chance in the series I'll start with you, Eddie. Um, starting on the offensive end, I think you need Jimmy Butler to be as aggressive as he was today. Hmm. Um, and it's funny because even during the game today, you see him at times drive to the hoop. There's a, a pretty open layup, like maybe slightly contested, but he still tries to pass out of it. And um, some of them turn into assists, but some of them turn into turnovers. Um, you really need Jimmy Butler attacking and, and looking to finish. Um, I know that he attacks a lot, but sometimes for whatever reason, he, he struggles to, to finish, like even embody that mentality to finish. Um, as long as he's aggressive, he puts constant pressure on the defense. And then 
this isn't even really a game plan thing, but I think Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson will have a little bit more experience now that they don't feel as antsy and they don't feel as rushed because they've looked really bad this finals. Um, otherwise, if if um, Bam is not playing, I would consider giving Myers Leonard some more minutes because I think he's a better screener and dribble handoff guy. And I think he's a little bit of a better floor spacer than uh, Kelly Olenek, which is really their only other option. Kelly Olenek be jacking that three. Did it's, Eric Spolster, like, look him in the face and say, if you got it, take it? Because he just jacks that thing like he's curry, man. It's insane. And then the most important thing on defense is um they really have to cut down as uh, as much on that zone as possible. I don't think it's really working for them. But even when they're going zone. man, I think it's one of those things where you just have to let Braun and AD not, like, get easy buckets, but don't try to play on them too hard where you're giving up easy buckets for the rest of the team. And I know this is kind of weird because we talk about how the Lakers shooters around Braun and AD aren't great shooters, but the truth is if you make life hard for them, that's when they really start struggling. That's when Danny Green and KCP start missing their shots. But if you just give that's them... That's when Danny Green starts missing shots? <laughs> <If> <laughs> I thought he was doing that already. But if you just give KCP wide open in the corner, stand still, catch and shoot three, no, but no defense around them, that's... um. That that to me is like it's too easy, you know, because you know that Braun and AD will do their thing, but unless Braun and AD can score 110 points combined, um, they're gonna need help from somewhere. So again, I think it's better put to not expend extra effort on Braun and AD, but just to make sure you have all your other boxes checked. Mm. Cool. Well, to, to me, so I'm gonna echo a little bit of what you said. So they better hope Bam comes back and is some semblance semblance of game. Part one of the game plan. Pray. Pray yeah. manifest Bam out of Bio's health, yeah. please. Exactly. And, and I think resting this game really served as well. Get Mark Jackson in the building. Um, and then uh, the, the other thing is Jimmy Butler has to be just exactly what Eddie said. Has to be more aggressive um, and look for his own more. And I know he, you know, he, he's not that guy who, like, I have to get my 25 to win. I have to get my 30. He's not that guy at all. But he kind of he has to recognize that's what his team needs, especially when you have Goran Dragic out, another ball handler, playmaker, uh, a shot creator, a shot getter. Um, and then, exactly what he said, they have to they have to uh, uh, you know give confidence to Tyler Hero to kind of settle in into the finals and be that guy to fill in not only for himself for his lack of play up until this series, mm-hmm. but also fill in for Goran Dragic and be that guy off of Jimmy Butler that can get a bucket and also obviously Duncan Robinson to to um to get popping uh which he did a little bit of this game more so than the two previous games but I, I really do think it's the opposite on, on defense of what you were saying Eddie I think I don't know I mean you you can say Braun and AD can get theirs but those dudes can score like they'll kill you man that's Those what, dudes yeah. can score a 75. But the thing wow. is, like, I've just seen from this series that it's almost like we've taken the, the role player slander a little bit too far because, you know, like... They're not going to do that every game. It's just like we, we've were, said that about Rondo. We've said that about Rondo, like, for 15 games and now. He, and he went over today. But the, the truth is, like, he's proven that he will make those shots. And, and you know, like, that's really all that matters. Um, I know Danny Green has been like 0 for the finals, but even then, it's like he can 
make those shots, I guess. I mean, I, I'm not even sure if I believe myself. But, like, you know, KCP has proven himself. Kuzma's proven himself. Marquise has proven himself. Like, game one, one... game! I'm saying, like, game one, game. And game one was obviously, like, an anomaly performance. But game two was maybe what you can expect from them. And if that's what they're doing, you know, if, with, with, like, uh, attention on Braun and AD... That's good enough to beat Miami in a game. Well, I mean, well, let me let me put on my uh, my math lab hat for a second and talk about sample sizes and regression. And I hope I'm using those words correctly, but I think I am right. When we look at over the course of the season and the regular season and even most of the playoffs, these guys ain't shooting that jump like that. They're not. They're not. So if I'm if I'm going off of what I've seen. From each of these individuals, I, I'm I'm going to allow them to keep if they're if, if we're going to lose off of Rondo threes and Markeith Morris threes and Alex Caruso threes, yes, then then it. we're we're going to lose. Well, we're I mean, lose. I'm also I failed to address really the most important part, but that Miami must adhere to the fundamentals, which means no second chance points, no runouts, no transition points. Yeah. If that's the case, then I think because that means you're forcing the Lakers into a lot of half court. And if the Lakers are in a lot of half court, I would rather see what Braun and AD can do trying to play iso ball the entire time, you know, having to expend their energy, not making it easy on them, but not like trapping hard, not doubling on catch, like none of that stuff and making the role players have to actually work a little bit. Mm. Well, what? and here's the other thing I wanted to mention. The other thing they have to do is play tougher on... AD and uh, uh, LeBron. So what kind of what the Cavs used to do with the Warriors with Matthew Dellavedova like literally pushing Steph Curry sometimes when he would run off the wings. Valley. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> but they but they don't call that in the finals, so they have to take advantage of that, and that's kind of what I'm saying. Uh, and AD for you know and LeBron for you know for all the flex that they do for all the screaming and yelling and ah that they do. They get they get frustrated and they look to the refs a lot. And LeBron might have an advantage there just because his name is LeBron. But if you push AD around, just like PJ Tucker did, kind of in, in the first game when you know the Rockets beat the Lakers, I feel like you have a chance to not only frustrate those two but get them out of their rhythm and hopefully out of the you know the the whole get the whole team out of rhythm so that's the other thing that Miami has to do and I think they're well equipped to do I think it must be acknowledged that you know we all recognize the fact that Miami in doing this is fighting an uphill battle right if we're the coaches of the Miami Heat we're without our starting point guard we're without our our central focal point of our offense in or at least not the focal point but the hub of our offense and bam out of bio you're fighting an uphill battle here I'll give you all my game plan Offensively, uh, I'm going at AD. I'm going at AD, and I know that probably sounds I knew yeah because exactly it sounds crazy because that's you know defensive player of the year runner up, one of the best defenders in the NBA. But I think it makes sense in terms of I'm trying to put him in actions in which I might be able to manipulate him into a foul. Jimmy Butler's clearly separated himself as one of the best foul drawers in the league. Um, I, I'm trying to go at him to get him in foul trouble to put him to try to minimize his effect on the game at least on the defensive end right if he can't go up and he doesn't feel comfortable contesting as many shots maybe that gives my guys a little bit more of an advantage so it might seem counterintuitive and you know in all seriousness 
you know, six, seven times out of 10, that's probably not working, but I'm at least going to try it for the first two, three minutes of a game, try to put him in, in somewhat of an awkward spot from a foul standpoint, force Frank Vogel to make some difficult decisions on whether or not to leave him on the floor. Um, I'm also going to, like Eddie said, continue to let Jimmy eat. I, I think, like I said uh, in the beginning of the show, you run those switches. You make sure you get – I think a lot of times the dude they were picking on was Kyle Kuzma. Um, let Jimmy Butler go ahead and eat on some of those dudes that are smaller and weaker than him. Take him to the mid post, back him down, hit your turnaround mid-range fadeaway. He's done that a thousand times. That dude's going to continue to do that um, and let him eat like he did tonight. On offense – or on defense, excuse me. I, I think that uh, – they would be better served when we talk about the shooters. I still think you close out. I think you close out, but you do so uh, controlled. I'm not jumping at anyone because, again, I as, as a guy who's observed this team over the course of the entire season, I'm still not confident in the shooters, even though we've what we've seen on the, uh, the past couple of games. I'm still not confident in them. So I'm closing out hard, but I'm keeping my feet on the ground. I'm staying ten, ten toes. I'm not going to leap at Alex Caruso. I'm not leaping at Rondo. I'm not even leaping at Danny Green. If they're going to take the three and they're going to kill me with those threes, then they're going to kill me with those threes. I'm going to live with it. But what I'm not going to allow them to do is pump fake and drive by me because then that's putting serious holes in my defense. Um, also, I, I was watching a Chris Paul interview when he was. Um, they were talking about an all-star game where Phil Jackson was the coach and Kobe Bryant was there and they were trying obviously because as competitive as they are they were trying a little bit harder than the Eastern team was and they were talking about how uh, they were disguising they were in a man right it's the all-star game you're not going to run a zone but they were in a man but they were disguising it as a zone by having uh, Pau Gasol rotate over I think they'd be better served to do something like that the Heat would um, to try to confuse the Lakers a little bit. Actually, the opposing team in the East, it was LeBron James that Chris Paul and Kobe were doing that to. And he was, you know, he's talking noise like, are oh, you guys are really running a zone in an all-star game? But they really weren't running a zone. So LeBron, has, as he's probably the greatest basketball mind this game has right now, but he's not omnipotent. You can still confuse him. You can still make things difficult for him. So try to disguise your defensive schemes a little bit. If you are going to run a zone, maybe make it look like a man a little bit and vice versa. If you're going to run a man, Try to make it look like his own. Don't throw the exact same thing at them every da- every time down the court. Don't throw the, the same thing at them three straight times because they're going to figure it out eventually, right? Um, so I say definitely disguise your coverages a little bit. And maybe, just maybe, you can win another game. But, you know, I, I'd still have my Lakers, man. Well, my thing with going at AD is that AD is a very good contester. So from from watching him all season, he he's very good at being vertical. So, he is. Yeah, I don't, I don't really know about that, but yeah, I mean, getting him in foul trouble would definitely be ideal. Again, um, easier said than done, right? You're fighting an uphill battle there, but uh, I, I wouldn't shy away from it. I, I definitely wouldn't try to formulate my offense around. Okay, AD's there. Let's go away from him. Definitely don't adjust your offense to try to avoid AD. If anything, go at him a little bit harder, um, just to, to try to put him in an awkward spot. Yeah, and, and you know, bef- before we. Uh, you know, end the episode. I just, again, man, I just want to praise Jimmy Butler because for for everything that everyone says, locker room cancer, and I know we touched on that last time, uh, not a good three-point shooter. You know, his game is all mid-range, so that's not good. It's just basketball, man. And, and bro's, bro's a great basketball player. And he may not be a superstar in name recognition, I know, and I know that's part of it. Zion might be a more of a superstar th- than Jimmy Butler, but he's a superstar in my book. So, yeah, I, I just I don't want to hear any more hate on Jimmy Butler because 
Bro's that guy. And anyone who says he doesn't fit today's era, you know, he's not a good three-point shooter, stop, stop. It's just basketball. Just basketball. Your book is the only one that matters for Leo. <laughs> yeah. And with that, we'll end it here for this episode. Gentlemen, as always, thank you so much for hopping on. Go check out the social media accounts, Eddie. What was that earlier? What'd you say? Vanilla, the vanilla siblings? Oh, yeah, Tyler Hero <laughs> and Duncan Robinson, the vanilla siblings. And, and, I'm coining it right now. Eddie has dubbed. You have the Splash Brothers in Golden State and then the vanilla siblings down there in Miami. Go check out all the fun content that Eddie's doing on Twitter. That's at SQR1Hoops. Also, follow you at SQR1Media on Twitter and Instagram at SQR1Hoops on Twitter and Instagram. All that good stuff. Stay updated with, with what we're doing. We'll see you next time. This has been the Hoop and Holler podcast.